spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Andian from Spoken Label. A spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and records show it started off really as a one-off podcast chatting to writers, poets and artists. Over time, it became monthly, then weekly and occasionally nowadays it goes on that to a more regular basis. To date, I've done over 330 sessions and I'm always looking for new poets, writers, artists, singer-songwriters, general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast. You can find this on all the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label, which is all one word, dot bandcamp.com. Obviously now, to help me with the running costs of this podcast, I'm always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it. You can either do the donation through the Bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts, or send it over to my PayPal to aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. Enjoy the podcast. Take care. Bye. Spoken Label. Hi guys, Andy N, Spoken Label, back in the house on a wet Sunday afternoon. But hey-ho, it's, it's what it is. So we're in podcast world today. Now we're over to North Devon today. And I have been to actually, this young gentleman with me doesn't know that. I went down there as a child and <laughs> over my dad actually when I was about two. And it rained all the time, so I made me feel like I was at home in Manchester. Yeah. Now, we've got a wonderful Joseph J. Jordan with us today. Now, Joseph is obviously just bought a book out, and we're going to talk about that. But before we get there, Joseph, hmm. tell people a little bit about yourself. Obviously, I think it's probably best if you start off, you tell people, obviously, about your mother as well, because obviously I yeah. think she was a major influence in your creativity, and it's a mother that I think people probably will know as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah, so I um, I was sort of born into the basically the central music industry. My mother's Elkie Brooks, and you know, um, originally that was kind of you kind of grow into that um, sort of lifestyle. But obviously, for me growing up, it was completely normal. You grow up on the road surrounded by creative people and um, I spent until I was about 16 years old I think touring the world with my mum incredible wow. childhood it did mean that I didn't go to school um, so I was, I was homeschooled which back then I'm 35 now so but back then mm. that was quite sort of left of field you know yeah it's very um, unusual then, wasn't it? Like, yeah. yeah and 
I think a few people frowned upon that, but it also meant that I, did, I had an unconventional education. So that kind of led to me going into the modelling and acting world. I looked for different things, obviously tried to follow in my mum's footsteps a bit, because I think as everyone said, I should do that. It was kind of like, you've got to do that. Um, but I kind of realised that sort of world wasn't for me. Uh, so I went uh, paragliding, instructing, skiing, instru oh, cool. instructing. That's a big wow. part of my life. And then I think I was about, oh, I don't know, I was about 28, something like that. And I thought I better get a real job. And I don't have any qualifications or anything apart from my paragliding and, and skiing instructing. So uh, I set up a clothing uh, business. Um, so obviously work for myself. Oh, that went really well. I sold that on. And then um, I started the, the country's first plastic free gift hamper business, oh, which wow. I co-founded with uh, a fabulous friend of mine, Jill. Uh, we've had that for about four years and we're just selling that now. But of course, then sort of COVID-19 hit and everything just completely stopped. And obviously my business was completely tourist based. And I all of a sudden had there was no tourists coming down to North Devon. And it was like, oh, God, I've got all this time on my hands. What do I do? So I did something I always really desperate. I tried doing it. I think it was about 21, something like that. I gave up and I write a book. Um, I didn't tell anyone I was doing it. I didn't tell my own mother I was doing it until it was wow. finished. And I went down the self-publishing route. Uh, I published it, told everyone eventually, which was terribly nerve-wracking. So I didn't want to tell any of my friends. I thought, because you walk down the street and everyone's going to know. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want anyone to read it. It's a really weird sort of thing. Oh, anyway, yeah. uh, people enjoyed it. The British Empire of Magic, uh, my first trilogy. And um, yeah, it really went very well went to uh, the first book went to I think it was number five and then eventually it crept up the charts and yeah um the th and first second and third book was number one on the Amazon charts um and then I thought well I think this is going to become a career and so I just kept writing which is I'm now writing the set my second trilogy the climberies yeah so that, to, we're going to go on to that in a moment definitely yeah. so yeah now obviously like said so when you wrote the first book obviously well mm. obviously did you actually plan that to become a trilogy or was it always going to be a one-off and see how it, you realised as you were writing it? Yeah, I kind of, I left it. It was kind of this, it was weird thing. There was no pressure on me, right? So it's not like mm. it is now where I've actually got deadlines. And things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know them weird. well. That's all yeah. I'm going to say, that I know them it's well. Like, which I'm trying to, I'm already behind a deadline at the moment. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, I kind of left the ending where I could, I could if, it, if it went well, I never envisaged it to do well at all. Uh, so I kind of left the, the ending open. Um, but then, of course, so many people bought it and loved it. And I thought, crikey, I better get writing a second and a third. Uh, so, yeah, it kind of went into that. Um, so I like writing. It's a novella trilogy. So they're short stories, you know, about I think the shortest one's about 30,000 words. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're quick to get through. But, uh, yeah, and they're great fun to do a trilogy because you can really explore uh, where the story's going a little bit more, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, certainly like it. Obviously, I've read the first one of your new trilogy. So, obviously, I'm yeah. going to we'll talk about the comparisons and that in a little bit then, mm. obviously, certainly. So, yeah, I've certainly, when I read the book I've been sent to me, yeah, I got for that pretty quickly in a couple of days. It was really, really short, short and snappy. So, yeah. did you envisage at the time, and obviously, with both of these services, they would be like novellas, or did you try writing these grand old, say, 2,000, 100,000-word novels? Did you <laughs> then realise after 30,000 words, uh, no. I'm, I, I think I'm quite a pragmatic person um, and I thought I didn't want to take on um, a project that was too big, you know, and that's why I like the 
it's achievable when you think about 30,000 or 40,000 words for a book. It's when you start writing it for me, it's, it's definitely now it's a lot more achievable. Um, but that's not to say I'm not going to do a full novel later. I'm actually, after I finish the climber race, I'm revisiting my first trilogy and doing a standalone novel, which oh. is going to be really fun to do. I'm really looking forward to doing that. But I do, yeah, it's, I think it's a lot more uh, achievable. To I always suggest that to new writers, try a novella first and then go to a novel. <laughs> yeah, well, tell us about that. Obviously, it's fascinating because like, you've gone into, like I said, when you've got your stage you're at now. Had you been mm -hmm. writing before that, had you, or is it just something... Your base almost started from scratch, almost. Uh, like I said, I think when I was about, as I say, about 21 or something mm. like that, I started writing a completely different story, which I will actually revisit because I really loved it. And I got about 60-something thousand words in, and I had an electrical storm in my house, a lovely North Devon in the winter. Oh, no, <laughs> and... I, can, I can well imagine that, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, can't the, can't the, the candles, of... basically. <laughs> exactly. And um, it was before the days of iCloud and backups and everything. like. And like an idiot, I didn't back up my oh, computer. No. And, the, and the, <laughs> my iMac got struck, basically, by lightning. And the whole hard drive was wiped. Oh. And I lost the entire book, 60-odd thousand words. Oh, no. God, made me cry. I made me cry that. <laughs> yeah, so that, was, that put me off writing until I was, what, 31 or 32. I can't remember how old I was when I first started. So whenever the lockdown. So, no, I was 33, 33. So it took me a long time, <laughs> over a decade, over a decade to actually uh, revisit that. And oh. crikey, do I back up now. Oh, yeah, you learn, <laughs> you learn to. Like I said, because I'm... I'm a poet, really, and mm. I've got my first. I'm trying to get the first novel done myself. And it's like it's taking forever, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm quite slow with those stuff. But you're right of it. It's you learn to back things up, and I've yeah. done it before now, and I've lost files, and yes. I'm sat there thinking, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, quite. It's it's really it's a it's a very like it's like a sickening, disgusting, nauseating feeling that you'll ever feel. It's horrible. Yeah. Back up, oh. back up, back up. Yeah. <laughs> Completely opposite. Well, Toby, I don't know much about your first trilogy. I've not read it, of course, but obviously like when it'd been three little novellas like that. Did you write them all pretty well back to back, did you then? Yeah, I pretty much did. I, I when I pub published the first one and then I I left it about two weeks. Um afterwards and then I got straight into the second one and then I and then when the second one was finished I literally went the next day straight into the third one oh, yeah um, wow <laughs> yeah because I had it was all up here you know it was all done and dusted I I cycle a lot I'm a triathlete as well so I spend like four and a half hours on the bike training and your brain is it's one of the best sports in the world for letting your brain just spin and um so I've written all three books pretty much and all those rides um so i had it all up there i just needed to get down on paper yeah no i'll get straight away i know i'm a lot about myself and if i'm out now i'm traveling and i don't have pen and paper on yeah. me i'm going crazy Can you just start yeah. building all this stirring in your head isn't it so that's Absolutely, why it's like yeah yeah it's amanda's a lot like it's my wife actually and she's a novelist as well and she's always telling me yeah. like she can have pieces just building up and up and up uh, yeah, and that's clear. Like, I see what's happening to yourself here now. Obviously, like, I want to know about, obviously then, what led you to the climate race? Because I know, obviously, I can see this is a talking quite directly about climate change as well. Yeah. So, obviously, this is something that obviously I can see from knowing you as a person, something that you've yeah. been interested in for quite some time. Yeah, I think I think it's living on the coast, right? And I think the, one of the things that struck me first about it was actually the plastics in our ocean. Because um, we're just doing beach cleans all the time here, and it's just ridiculous the amount of plastic that just keeps getting washed up on the shores. And obviously, pre-COVID, 
it was on the news everywhere. I think Sky News were doing this special every single day before COVID about plastic ocean oh, uh, protection. And it was just in everyone, everyone was trying to reduce plastics. And of course, COVID hit and it just got, obviously the world changed, right? And everyone's priorities changed. It was about living in for the moment a little bit more. And I think everyone kind of gave up on the whole protecting the oceans. And also it was, it's seen our climates, our, our seasons are disappearing, I think in the UK. We're not really having, a, I don't think we have, it's not as cold as it used to be. No, um, our summers, our summers are definitely hotter. Oh, um, yeah. and, I know and, I boil all the time in the summer. I know you yeah. right with that one. Yeah. Oh god. And I'm, I'm just noticing it more and more. So I wanted to write the next book. I wanted it to be completely different from what my previous trilogy was, but I also wanted to do something that was perhaps because obviously it's my young adult audience that and children and young adults that I'm is my audience. And I wanted to write something that wasn't necessarily doom and gloom about climate change. It was educating them. It was throwing light on the subject, but also the premise of hope that you know, perhaps there could be, because obviously the books are set in 2100. Uh, so it's kind of follow the trajectory that we're on right now, which is like, you know, not we're not doing enough kind of thing. And so I kind of researched what the planet was going to look like in 2100 if going the way we are, and it's very depressing. Um, so true. I tried to, and I tried to throw a different light on how, how we combat that. It's, you know, obviously it's a fictional book. Um, so it's just a different way of looking at it. So basically the point was, is I wanted to educate, throw light on the subject without it feeling like they're being bashed over the head about, you know, save the world, save the world, save the world. Um, so I wanted to give that kind of experience to the audience. I think you got it dead right as well, because like I said, particularly with the character Isabel Hope in it, which I yeah. like the fact you put Hope at that as a surname. Yeah, that was that was subtly done that one. <laughs> <laughs> but knowing like it's, I felt myself on what seriously like what the book was. It you weren't preaching about it, and yeah. I think you could have easily preached really quite heavy on this book. Yeah, yeah, you didn't. You didn't, and that's credit to you. That one straight away, Josie, Thank for you. that. So now I've got to ask you also, well, when you always look at characters in books. Yeah. You're always going to be part of yourself in it. So yeah. is there, is Isabel in it quite an extension of you, Fuji? Um, no, she because my, my first books, there's a character in my first books. It, absolutely, it's a lot of me in that. Uh, the actual character of Isabel Hope is a mixture of a couple uh, is a fr of a friend of mine and my mother, and I put those two two people together. Um, and she, Isabel Hope was born, kind of thing. And what I love about creating characters is that whilst that you have inf influence from people in your in real life by you know chapter two chapter three their own personality starts to develop and they become they're very much their own individual uh so yeah i think i think it it the embryo was definitely uh, one of my friends and my mother but now she's definitely her own person yeah no i agree i agree with that it's always the best way i think you always mm. end up definitely basing something on some yeah. kind of something that impacts in your life and it makes it, it tangible it makes it real you know to and then you. So, yeah i right. think dead right of it and then i've done it myself stories like it after a while the character finds it it's almost like they find it on feet don't they and stuff yeah, like absolutely. that so yeah yeah did you find that obviously we'd be setting this in the near future not obviously nowadays mm. you said you have to do a lot of research this and did it take you like you have to make i know you know i've often stories where i have to write another story building the world up almost before you yeah. can actually write it did you find that uh, a lot with this series, this series? Yeah, I think that there's so much research. That's one of the great things about the subject is that loads of people, very much smarter, brighter people than me, 
um, ha have so much information out there to absorb. The problem comes with that is there's so much information it becomes. I was very conscious about not putting all that research I did about climate change and bogging the book down in technical babble uh, because, you know, people don't really want to know how they just want to know the result. And so I, I tried to make it as accurate without explaining too much in the book because it just, frankly, it gets boring. Um, yeah, yeah, to, no, I agree. To me <laughs> and the reader, and that's not what they're reading the book. Of, that's not why they're buying the book. It's they're buying the story. Um, so I just wanted to make sure there was a, some factual predictions of what the future was going to look like. And I kind of did enough research to make sure there was that. Uh, but I didn't want to overload the reader. Yeah, no, straight away. But yeah, I think the market you're aiming for is like the story comes first. If you, yeah. I think you could, you've probably got enough information to do a non-fiction book on it, I suspect, in the future, maybe. Really? Yeah. It, as yeah. I say, it's actually very depressing. But uh, Yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm starting work tomorrow on a new job, new day job, actually, and I'll tell yeah. you them later. And it's, of course, not a company that definitely would interest you as well, Gil. They're doing a lot of like they do a lot of research and green products and yeah. advise companies where they can and cannot build in certain sorts of land. Right. So yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I, that's why I, when this book came through, I thought this is perfect for the job I'm stepping into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got you've got a quote on the interview as well when I got the job actually. Oh, excellent! I'm glad <laughs> I helped. Yeah, on the of that one, that was that was should have seen the bloke with the guy's face that interviewed me. So anyway, I'll tell you about yeah. off camera. <laughs> very very surreal moment indeed. Now. I said, for after I've read the first book on it, now, I don't want to give too much away, obviously, like I said, because obviously there's plenty of corruption flying around this, as I expected, really, regarding humanity itself. Now, there is, um, oh, I don't want to give too much away again, like I said, at the end of the first book. I loved the fact you left us on a cliffhanger. Yes. And, yeah. now, and I love cliffhangers, I really do, honestly, Joseph. So, um, <laughs> was the cliffhanger always designed to be there for that first book? Yes, um, absolutely. There's the big reveal at the end um, of the first book. And I always wanted to leave the whole of the first book very ambiguous about who this particular character is. Um, and, you know, this, you, when you look back, once you know what the, the result, you look back, there is sort of glimpses where you can kind of put two and two together and, and you can try and figure it out for yourself. But, after, after, you know, in retrospect, but yeah, it was always going to be cliffhanger, and I was so excited when I actually got to write that bit. I was like, oh! But my friend phoned me up who read it, and she said, "I love this book, but how dare you leave us like that?" <laughs> I got to the end of it, and I've done this with books before now, where you've had somebody put such a cliffhanger like you have there, and you sat there thinking, "And I'm going to swear now as part of my English thinking." Yeah, bastards. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think that about you, mate. Honestly, right? I was thinking. You clever man. That's, that's putting it nicely there with that one. It was, it was a good cliffhanger, and that's the difference. You, you've read the books yourself, haven't you? When you yeah. put a cliffhanger at the end, you're thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, not now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> why I knew the second book had to come out quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't do that. Straight, yeah, you get you got to move out pretty quickly. That, that was the best thing to do with that straight away. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why now. Obviously, in relation to, obviously, it's been your second trilogy then. Yeah. How did the writing compare to the first trilogy then? So, like, yeah, obviously, did you find this flowed a lot easier as a book? No, actually, I found the first three <coughs> uh, flowed a little easier. Hmm. Um, mainly because the first book is set in such a fictional world, and you, there's le less construct. There's, there's basically a, you're confined by when you're writing about the real world. You know, it's fictional story, but it's in our real world. Um, so you are 
constrained a little bit about how you can do things. As with my first trilogy, I could create anything. If I was stuck about getting one person to location, I just create something that they can do that. And that's that was super easy for me. With this, it was, you know, as I say, you're, con you're uh, confined a little bit. Uh, so that what the ideas were there. It was just connecting them all together. It was a little bit more difficult. It's fine now. I don't know, I'm closing out the third book. Um, it's it's fine. It's all in my head. But yeah, it was a little bit more clumsy for me to write. Yeah, I think it's probably what I can see with the two books. Ed, that you touched on the difference, obviously, both heading in the same direction, if you know what I mean, with the field yeah. you, you want to go for with it. But the two completely different sorts of topics as books, as yeah. we said before. And I think yeah. when you're doing that, it's I think it's interesting. I'm always a believer of writers. You've got to keep pushing yourself to write, do something as a reaction to the previous yeah. series. So why do you end up going around in circles, don't you, really? Yeah, so absolutely. And I think it's I think it's important to keep <clears throat> ideas fresh because the reader, they're not stupid. Right? They, they're gonna know when you're bored. Um, that's going to come through in your writing. Uh, so I, it's as much for me as any as it is for them that I've got to create exciting things to write about in the story to keep me interested um, and keep me in love with the characters. Because um, you know, it's the easiest thing. You get bored of a character, you just kill them off. Um, so... <laughs> I've, done that, I've done that before now. <laughs> Main yeah. character as well for like 30 pages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like, he's out. Um, yeah. But yes, I try to add things in, add a add a friend to that person to make it that character completely different. Um, I mean, I did that with the climber race with because there's twins in it, Elijah and Hajil, and you know I needed because they're twins and they're similar but different, and so they they're interested in different people. So that was fun to write about. So the, it does come quite clear in the books that they are different people, uh, but they're very much a unit together. They're very close brothers. I based that on my brother and I. Uh, my brother's seven years older than me, but we're exceedingly close. We always have been. So I wanted to create that connection between the brothers that it was really obvious and loving, you know. Yeah, again, of course. I don't answer you mean because I've got a brother like who's seven years younger than me to the day. Yeah. Would you believe? And that's like, wow, really, wow, wow. We're really close. And it's always like, in our case, that we surprise people say, like, oh, you're not twins? No, they're right. seven years apart from us almost in yeah, a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do, it's like, you get that. You know, I agree completely with that. So, what made you come up with the title then, The Climber Race for the series? Yeah, so it's based. So, that, come, I, that brings us back to how the. I wanted to take a new uh, take on, I didn't want it to be a standard apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic book, you know, and how um, humanity's looking for a, like uh, creating a new sun or something fantastical and uh, technology based. I wanted this to be more biology, biology based. Um, so it was about, it's about a race that is born better adapted to live in our world in 2100 so toxicity levels pollution uv um resources are going to be finite in 2100 so they need less water they need less uh, food to survive um so i wanted to create that take on it about how we can adapt as human beings to the world because they can't fix really we haven't got enough time to fix the world before our extinction event um mm. so that's so that I decided to call them the climber race again a little bit on the nose uh, but it was pretty obvious to do um and so yeah and I wanted also to create sort of that almost that um racism that's we're mm. experiencing in our world at the moment which is very sad but you think we progressed a lot in the 2100 
so the racism is not necessarily about the skin color it's about the actual biology of the people so they're threatened by this new race coming through and normal people if you like are threatened by the climate race so that yeah that's basically the reason it was called that no, no, it's fine. It makes sense. It makes sense completely. So, and I get you completely with that straight away. So, good luck with mm. it. Definitely. So, now, obviously, start right, winding down a bit now. I have a couple of questions to wrap up with. Yeah. Obviously, we've already been talking about already what's uh, are you going to, you're currently working on the third one of this trilogy, yeah. aren't you? So, yeah. you've been, you're telling me off camera for you. You felt me, you're falling behind me already. So, <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so where you're to, where you're to in the third book of this trilogy at the moment then? I've only got about uh, a quarter of it left to do. Um, and so probably another, it's going to be much longer, the third book. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's probably, yeah, so I think we're about uh, 30,000 words in already and I've probably got another 25 odd thousand words to go at least. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, that's having like yeah, a full, a full it, novel there nearly, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah, I think so because it's, um, I'm inter inter uh, introducing a new character to the book who's so important and I've really got to get into it that you've got to get your teeth into it because they're the whole sh premise shifts a little bit and who becomes the real villain out of all of this um so that's that's you've got to get into that so that's where i'm kind of at the moment we were hoping for a christmas release but it's definitely going to be january now unfortunately yeah. sorry readers <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys he goes yeah he said if you're hoping to get the to get the one to read on christmas day not yeah. this Christmas Day. Yeah. Maybe next yeah. Christmas Day. You can get the so. first two. You can get the first two now, <laughs> but you have to wait until afterwards. You know? <laughs> oh well. And I take it obviously then when you've got these this one out of the way, you're then gonna go on to your, your novel, aren't you? And tend to that before. That's correct, yeah. So I'm gonna revisit my first trilogy, The British Empire of Magic, because you're quite honest with think having so many DMs from readers saying, please continue the story. We loved it. Um so I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do um it's going to carry on pretty much uh, probably about five or ten years from where it left off British Empire of Magic um, and it's going to be a full novel so I'll start probably writing that in February March and I'll give myself a bit of about a month off of writing after I've published uh, the, yeah. the climate race but uh, and then I'll then I'll get my teeth into it be a spring and summer autumn project I think yeah I can't blame you there because I'm always I'm always a believer when you've done a major project like that you need a bit of time yeah. off before you go back to the next thing don't you otherwise you end Absolutely. up burning yourself out and it's <laughs> yeah you know, absolutely it's yeah, otherwise it's just too much like i say you can't kid the reader the reader's gonna know if you're you're not really wanting to write this book you know oh. so yeah i want to be able to write i'll enjoy it oh yeah completely now a couple a couple a daft question before we come to the hard sell yeah if you had a chance for a film version of the climber race yeah who would you like in as your lead oh crikey bobs <laughs> i don't <laughs> I don't know. If, if, if money was unlimited, right? I'll say that way. Oh <laughs> God, I don't know. I mean, Isabel Hope's obviously the protagonist in the in the first book. Um, gosh, I, do you know what? I don't know. I, the, my first trilogy, I've got pretty much that casted out. Oh, um, yeah. We've got oh. actually really excitingly, we've actually got someone interested at the moment. Um, oh. We're just going through the negotiate. Just yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers um, crossed, definitely. The agent, my agent is doing her utmost for me but these things take such long time she said it could be a year before we even get round the table oh um, wow so, is it is yes. it with is it with an american production company or a british one that's all i can ask for it's, it's actually with a, uh, an american company yeah 
Right, we'll say no, we'll say yeah. no more then, because if yeah. you say anything else, what, I'm always a believer. You put, put the kiss of death on it, or you break a exactly. legal contract. So we'll keep we'll keep quiet on that. Well, good luck. So yeah, that's the, the problem. Yeah, the actual problem is because I'm with Amazon Publishing. Um, it's not Amazon, basically. So we've got dealing with all that at the moment. So, but it's very exciting. So I just kind oh, of ignored it. But I ha- yeah, I've allowed myself to dream a little bit on the first trilogy and who I'd cast and things like that. So I'm, I was, I almost said to my mum, I said. Don't suppose you can phone Helen Mirren up for me, could you? Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. great idea. Start, start, actually, looking, like... start looking at where your mum knows. Now, yeah, exactly. if the first Helen... trilogy gets done and your mum crops up in a cameo, we're not, I'll, I'll remember yeah. whose book it is. <laughs> well, Helen actually played my mother in, in, a, in a play. She played my mum uh, in a play called Teeth and Smiles. <laughs> So, oh whoa! <laughs> yeah, so uh, so that'd be really cool if she played the character I based my mum on uh, oh, in the, in a series or a film. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you one chance of getting it to getting into. I don't know, exactly, yeah. If Helen Mirren signs up for it, so yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Okay, mate. Well, let you do the hard sell now, mate. Because obviously we're going to start going over fam- with famous people you know, <laughs> which I, and I wish I knew otherwise. So, and we're we're completely go off the top tangent, which, which is yeah, very mean. Right. Which is it's... very mean. I think it's very you as well, mate. <laughs> oh no, no. Um, yeah, no. To be honest, all you got to do, if you want to read the books, British Empire of Magic and the Climber Race, are both on Amazon, exclusive to Amazon. And it's my name, Joseph J. Jordan. You can Google that, and it comes up straight away with all the books. And it's uh, there's audio books as well for British Empire of Magic, which is great. Oh, and, I was going to ask um, you about that. I'm glad you reminded yeah. me. Yeah, I did. I did see the audio books as well. Yeah. So tell us about the audio books. And I knew I should have asked you about that. I did spot that. Yeah. Yeah, it was something that I completely. I don't listen to audio books. I never have, and I completely ignored that market. And um, so obviously, the three books they sold well, and. Uh, publishers kind of said we need to start looking at the audiobooks. I was like, really? Does anyone listen to audiobooks? Um, co- completely ignorant. And I said to ask my friend Caroline, who she she, she literally listens to one a week. Um, wow, I know, said, I know, Amanda, my wife does that. She does. She listens all the time. Yeah. And so many of my friends listen. I was shocked. I was like, right, okay. So we put all the auditions out to have uh, people read and there was over a hundred of people uh, wanted to read the book and I had to go through all these auditions. And eventually we got uh, Helen McFarlane, who's a lovely, lovely woman. And she gave, I gave her poetic license, um, uh-huh. accents and stuff like that over the book. So I said, because I never envisaged that. So go for it. Um, and she brought characters to life in ways that I never, I never thought about it. Um, in, in, well, actually, she gave uh, one of um, the characters, Elliot, a bit of a sort of Geordie accent. Ooh. And I was like, oh, I didn't feel a very, very slight Geordie accent. And I was like, oh, wow, I can now I can't imagine when I'm writing him in the in the novel later uh, next year. I'm going to be thinking Geordie accent, Geordie accent all the way through. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, it impacts you definitely with that one. So, yeah. Um, Amanda, my wife, well, she did a zombie novel a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. And, and oh. You, this will like you laughing at him. I said, I'm digressing, but hey-ho, right? It's our, <laughs> it's our podcast, right? So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, she did one on the zombie novel, and she ended up doing some sermon. She got a young, young lady coming to do it. We found out afterwards she was only 14. Oh, wow. So, and uh, we, we think, like, um, she, I think she said they're going to have to clear it from mother and father, of course, because there's plenty of bad language yeah. in it and violence. Yeah, yeah. But we, so, think she yeah, secret, yeah. we think she secretly liked it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's you do, great. Yeah. You I mean, do I like still, it. does impact I still the way you're met writing. I my yeah. narrator. I keep saying, because she, she's, she's up in London, I think, and uh, I've been saying for ages I'm going to come up and see her and have a, have a glass of champagne with her. <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely do that one. We're good luck with it, mate. Definitely. So, I know, Joseph, listen, we better wrap up anyway, mate. So, obviously, if people want to find, obviously, more about you as a person, where do you recommend they go yeah. to wrap up with? Uh, just Google Joseph J. Jordan, and I've got a Goodreads page um, and an Amazon author page and all my bios there. People can find out as much as they want to read until they get bored of me. Um, and then, yeah, and obviously my, and all my books are under that name as well. And I'm also on Instagram, Twitter and uh, Facebook as Joseph J. Jordan or Joseph J. Jordan Official. And yeah. uh, you'll find me. I'm there. Really, get in touch with you. You're, you're a great guy. You're a great guy. It's been a pleasure having you on, mate. So we'll get you on when, you the, like when the film version comes out of your first trilogy, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, guys and girls, well, that's it for today anyway. So I want to thank Joseph today. It's been a pleasure and I've really enjoyed this, mate. It's been great fun chatting to you, mate. Likewise, my friend. Likewise. Good, good luck with everything. So, right. Anyway, as Donnie, Don Callis Impact Wrestling says, Stay safe and stay over, and we'll see you all next time. Spoken, mate.